Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK-trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. Hello, welcome to a new episode of Motherhood Exposed. I'm so, so happy to introduce today's guest, an old family friend of mine, Nina Willer. Although she's not actually old, she's younger than me, but you know what I mean. Nina is a diabetic specialist midwife and also has type 1 diabetes herself. Today, she talks to me about her struggles to conceive IVF with tons of diabetic information thrown in. It's a brilliant listen. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Nina. How are you? Hello, Zoe. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on. So I'm just actually, I don't normally do an intro, but I am going to do an intro for you because we have known each other. (laughs) Have we known each other all of your life? Because you're younger. Uh, Yeah, definitely all of my life. Yeah, yeah. I Um, just want to get in there that I am younger. (laughs) (laughs) Not that much. Um, No. (laughs) Enough, enough. Um, And uh, yeah, so we've known each other forever. uh, And you're also a midwife. um, You're a diabetes specialist midwife. And um, Mm -hmm. yes, I thought I'd just get that little bit across that um, we go back quite a bit. Um, a long time, a yeah. long, long time. There's yeah. lots of embarrassing photos and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, we'll <laughs> I'm glad you those, can't see them. Uh, yeah, we'll just leave those where they are. Um, so, Nina, I always start my podcast with the same question, which is um, how mm-hmm. you met Rob, which I actually don't know. I just know you've been together for pretty much since... A you long time. Five. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, so we have been together 18 years now. Oh, I hope no, I've got on. that how right. How old are you? You're... Um, I am 36, I think, but I am sleep deprived. So give me a year either (laughs) side, but I think I'm about 36, soon to be 37. Um, but yeah, so we've been together about 18 years. Um, we've been married 11 years. Um, and we met firstly, um, I was working in a, a shop, like a skateboarding shop, surfing shop, and, um, he started working, but actually we had two people start at the same time and they looked really similar. So for the first sort of six months, I thought he was called something else completely and um, just kept thinking I was talking to the same person <laughs> and it was two different people. So yeah, I wouldn't say it was love at first sight, <laughs> but um, he wore me down. Yeah. And um, just, uh, oh, that's so he romantic. wore me down. <laughs> and just around the time I left to um, start working at the hospital, um, we got together and yeah, the, we, we were quite different back then. He was very, very shy and I was very, very confident. And over the years, we've, some, we've sort of met in the middle somewhere. Um, he's uh, calmed me down a bit and I've boosted him up a bit. And <laughs> now we're working together again because he works at the hospital as well. So it's That's gone amazing. full circle. I love it. I love it. Yeah, because you were a year behind me, weren't you, at Midwifery? Yes. Do you remember yeah. I used to pick you up at the bottom of the road in my little red <laughs> Ford Kia yeah. KA with the Go Faster stripe yeah. down it? Yeah. My that was, uh, I can't believe that car even ran, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a tin can. But yes, we s- survived the midwifery course together. Um, it wasn't easy, um, but no. it was worth it, wasn't it? It totally. was worth it. It's hard work. Yeah. We got there. So, Nina, um, I'm just going to hand it over to you, actually. Um, so uh, you, yeah, you've been together a long time. When mm-hmm. did you guys start trying for a baby? So we had um, we had what you'd call like uh, a scare, I suppose, when we'd been together maybe a month or two, and um, it was really interesting actually because um, I was really worried. You know, we were really young and uh, that we were going to get pregnant, and um, Rob just was like after the initial shock, he said, oh, well, if we had to wait two weeks to do a, a test mm-hmm. and because I'd mistakenly not gone the right way about getting like the morning after pill and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, in those two weeks, he was just so like, you know, if this is going to happen, this is going to happen. I think we'll be great parents. And I was so shocked um, that from that moment, I knew that we definitely were going to have children together. Um, <laughs> and so years down the line, we started thinking about it. 
And because I've got um, type one diabetes, um, I started discussing it with my team at the hospital and I had an excellent consultant and an excellent um, a couple of specialist nurses. And they started me on the preconception route towards having uh, a planned pregnancy. Um, when you've got type one diabetes or type two diabetes, you do like really need to plan ahead um, because if your blood sugars um, aren't well controlled, then you get a lot more complications. So we made that decision a long time ago um, before getting married. Um, so um, we decided that as the team asked us to wait, which was hard at the time, mm -hmm. uh, we decided to get married. And Why do it the right way? Just um, until your blood sugars were more stable. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was really fortunate in that I was offered an insulin pump really early on um, because back then there weren't a lot of insulin pumps going around. Mm. I was doing about uh, sort of between six and 10 insulin injections a day wow. and a lot of blood glucose testing. And I was still struggling to get really good control. Um, and they were introducing the idea of insulin pumps in like my local trust. Mm -hmm. So I was one of the first people to be offered one. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had an insulin pump now for, I don't know, just probably I got diabetes when I was 21 and I'm now 36 and I got it a couple of years after diagnosis. Um, and um, I think part of the reason I was offered one was because I was a health professional. So they knew I had a sort of in-depth understanding and the time, you know, not having children and stuff, I had the time to put in to really get my get the best out of the insulin pump mm -hmm. um it's a lot easier to get one nowadays actually um, and that see was the them all the time now i've really noticed all the time that um yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time i catch them definitely Great. yeah and especially in young women because it's really worth getting your glucose control sorted before conceiving a pregnancy so that's a group of women that are the perfect type of women to have an insulin pump sure. so i got an insulin pump then i started the preconception route um and they just felt that my glucose levels were, were definitely still too high um even with all the effort in the world they were still just that little bit too high um i could have gone and got pregnant or i could have conceived accidentally um but the in, there's an increased chance of um miscarriage, stillbirth, um, fetal abnormalities. And as a midwife, I didn't want to take that risk and I was well informed. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that worked well, but for a little while, I was a little bit angry at the diabetes stuff, which mm. I think is safe to say. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, because, can I just, you know, before, before you go on, can I just ask, obviously you didn't um, get diabetes till you were 21. Do you know why, why did women or people um, develop it like later on in life? How, what's the story there? Um, so what I do, I don't know sort of absolutely everything about diabetes, but what I do know is that the younger you get it, usually the more severe the sudden onset of it is. So the symptoms can be more dramatic. So um, particularly, you know, toddlers, when they get diabetes, they get really dramatic symptoms. Mm -hmm. And then as you get older, the symptoms are less dramatic. And sometimes the time period that you have it before you're diagnosed is a little bit longer. Yeah, sure. Now, I know I didn't have diabetes for a long time because um, in the years, a couple of years prior to getting it, so at the start of my training, Training, um, I kept having low blood low blood glucose levels um, and passing out. Um, so, like during my training and things, oh, I kept fainting. Oh, yeah, and everyone thought it so, couldn't stand the sight of blood or something. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I wasn't a fan of needles anyway, but it was more than that. Um, so I went to the doctor and they kept checking my glucose levels and they were very low and they kept saying, well, they're, they're quite low. Um, so I got to see a dietitian. They taught me all about low GI foods to try and stop having peaks in my glucose levels, mm -hmm. which would then result in the lows. Um, so I knew for a fact that I did not have high glucose levels for the years running up to diagnosis. A few years prior to that, I had done some charity work and lived out in Sri Lanka and Ghana for like a series of um, uh, like sort of two month periods at a time. And when I was in Ghana, I got really sick from the water and it lasted about six months after coming back. I lost a lot of weight and couldn't really eat or drink anything much and got really unwell. So having looked at it over the years, I think that the reason I got it was because of um, the parasites that I'd got in Ghana had wow. perhaps eaten away at the lining of um, my, I don't know, stomach. I don't know if I'm saying all the right words here. People probably listen to this thinking, I've no idea what you're talking about. It's nonsense. <laughs> but I saw a fantastic personal trainer. <laughs> I saw a fantastic personal trainer years later who said I could probably pin it down to that parasite that you picked up in Ghana, mm. that you basically either predispose to type 1 diabetes or you're not and then you have like an assault on your immune system which then means that you get it 
Sure. So I think I had an assault on my immune system in my late teens and um, my body started trying to kind of fight this immune assault over, over the years. Eventually, I um, went from having really, really low blood glucose levels, which is um, reported on quite a few occasions with other people that they have a series of low glucose, which I think is just as your pancreas is just winding down and then it suddenly goes, it flips the other way and you get yeah. high glucose levels. Okay. Um, I think... A common misconception about diabetes is that you um, diabetes means you have low glucose levels. And I think that is really common. Even amongst health professionals, some people struggle with that. But mm -hmm. it's, it's actually really, really high glucose levels. And the medicine that you take to get it under control is what causes the low glucose yeah, levels, sure. which is why a lot of people associate having to drink Lucasade or something with diabetes. But that's really just a treatment of the side effects. And when you were diagnosed, what were your symptoms? So um, I was in my final year of university as a midwife, um, trained to be a midwife, and I was working night shifts and doing my dissertation or my equivalent of a dissertation <laughs> during the day. So as we all know how fun that is. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I was tired. Yeah, obviously. Um, worn out, feeling pretty run down, as was all of my colleagues. Um, and I was at work and I was thirsty and um it was only when I kept saying, I'm so thirsty and I've got a headache. And I'm so thirsty and my eyes are a bit blurry. And then towards the end of the shift, someone asked me to go and find someone's partner because their wife had gone into labor and he'd just gone down to get something. And they were transferring her to delivery. So like, I'll go and get him. And I walked down the corridor and I couldn't see anyone's faces. Oh, wow. I, could, I could just point out the colors they were wearing. And I thought... <laughs> Something doesn't feel quite right. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't be your midwife today. If you're yeah. And I went back and I said, I really can't see much at all. And between about six midwives, um, no one, nobody suggested that it could be diabetes because we talk about vision, don't we, with diabetes, but we don't really talk about it that much. But no one, it hadn't crossed anyone's mind that because I was thirsty and because I couldn't see that I had type 1 diabetes, I got an urgent appointment the next day at Specsavers and they said, unfortunately, <laughs> something drastically is going wrong here. You are either losing your eyesight or you've got type 1 diabetes. And I thought, brilliant, I'll have the diabetes. That definitely sounds like the better of the options. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah. Wow. Um, so I went to the GP later that day and was admitted and uh, my eyesight came back um, pretty well within about a week. And then it was pretty much back to normal after about six weeks. That's good. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that was good. You were saying you were pretty pissed off with the diabetes. Yeah. So we had to kind of wait a little bit, but um, that went on for a little while. Um there wasn't really much else that they could do back then. Uh, you just had to finger prick and use your pump and hope for the best. And it was really frustrating because you'd wake up in the morning and your blood glucose levels would be high and you'd think, did they go high at midnight or at two or four? Or did they go low and then have a rebound high? And you never knew. And that was very frustrating. And this is only probably 12, 13 years ago. Um, it was really tough. Um, and working shift work full time as a midwife, it was pretty hardcore um i had an interest in diabetes around the time a few months before i got diabetes because i always found it interesting um so i naturally have then gravitated towards research and things like that towards diabetes so i did everything i could and then eventually after um we got married they said they gave us the all clear and we started trying and we did that thing, that hilarious thing of being like, well, we're not really trying. We're just going to like, just going to like just not use contraception. <laughs> yeah, just going to have fun. And then the first month I was like, what? I'm not pregnant. <laughs> um, so after, once we officially decided we would definitely try, we went to the doctor, I went to the GP after about a year and had a series of blood tests um, and uh, it looked like everything was okay, but I had a very irregular cycle, so it was really hard to tell. Um, always have had lots of breakthrough bleeding. So it was really difficult to know where I was at in my cycle. So we we then did the uh, ovulation test. We did, while we were waiting for the, for the referral for the fertility treatment, we did all of that and nothing really seemed to come about. Um, and then... Um, Rob had a sample that was very suspicious. Um, there were They test for sort of five different things and sort of three to four of those were really quite abnormal. Mm -hmm. But what I think is really important, which I, I've learned over the years, is that, you know, they don't test um, semen samples of people 
that father children all the time. Um, so they really mm. don't know, mm-hmm. you know, how abnormal it has to be. Yeah, yeah, um, because point, yeah. they don't go out just testing everyone's semen, because if they did, they'd probably find loads of abnormalities, but they still manage to father children. And we mm. know this because we, you know, anecdotally having gone through fertility treatment, know loads of people who have then fathered children, even with really abnormal results. Um, so yeah, so in retrospect, I wish I hadn't worried so much about that. Mm. Um, so we started the process of um, Clomid and we did six months of Clomid. And that's a really hopeful time, I think, for a lot of people, because suddenly you think I'm making eggs and I'm making <laughs> loads of them. I'm going to be pregnant with twins in a month. <laughs> yeah, that didn't really happen. Um, so that was were you, fun. Were you OK on the effects of Clomid? Because sometimes it sends people a little bit loopy. Um, the biggest problem through all of... Um, of our IVF treatment has been the effect of it on my glucose levels. Um, and so I suppose I've focused on that and not really on any of the other yeah, side effects. Sure. I think it's safe to say I'm fairly loopy and hormonal yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't think I can blame it on the Clomid <laughs> per se. Try. Um, we could try. Yeah, yeah. let's say it's that. Um, so, yeah. So we, um, after the Clomid, had a, a short break before starting our IVF journey um, at a local clinic. We've been so lucky. The NHS has treated us very, very well. Um, and it, this was a private clinic that does NHS treatment. So we, we did it all um, NHS funded. Um, and at that point, my local area was doing three cycles, but it was about to change to two. So we didn't yet know what we were going to get. Um, so I just did all I could to keep my blood glucose levels stable. Um, and oh, it's worth saying that in between all that, I did go and see like some natural fertility practices and, you know, paid top dollar for all sorts of weird and wonderful, like putting needles somewhere near my ovaries and putting a TENS machine attached to it and all sorts of fun stuff. And then I decided I was probably better just to get my nails done and relax. So I did that <laughs> instead. Um, so um, we um, did the IVF. And at that point, they decided it was likely to be ICSI which is just, um, as I'm sure you know, like just a sort of one step on in terms of the fertilization process. So um, his um, sperm were not quite smart enough to be able to find the eggs because they didn't have good tails and they were funny shapes and stuff like that. I mean, you know, goes without saying. So um, they would hand select the um, sperm and put them in the egg for us. So we knew that was going to happen anyway. Um, the IVF cycle was, in retrospect, probably fairly straightforward. Uh, going through it, absolutely horrendous, <laughs> as you know. <laughs> Brutal by all accounts. Did you um, do pretty... a fresh transfer or was it a frozen transfer? We did. So our first cycle was a fresh cycle. Um, and... Um, There's like two, there's like agonist and antagonist. And I can't remember which one we did, but the first one that they like to do. Um, And we told, I know I've heard you speak on um, some of your other podcasts about whether or not people knew. And um, I'm quite open. So we told anyone, everyone, (laughs) whoever. We we really believed that, um, well, you know, that it takes a village. Yeah. And we had that mentality really. that the more people we had behind us, mm-hmm. the stronger we would be. And we were. Um, so yeah, we went ahead and we got, um, we had a fairly good response. It was all quite straightforward. And then um, I think we got about 12, we always got the same amounts, so about 12, 13. Great. Um, fertili- um, uh, to start with, um, eggs. And then fertilized, um, I think about five. Um, and um, what we had with our first cycle is that they, um, they check them on like day two, day three, and day five. And on day two and day three, they were looking grand. A few were sort of dropping off. And then on day five, they were all um, useless. They'd not done anything okay. since day three. Yeah. So um, it was really sad. So we went up to the clinic and they told us this when we were like in the pre-op room. Oh. And it was a hard, hard thing to hear. And I suppose I thought they would have told us before that point, but they'd only checked them that morning. And they said they've not done anything for 48 hours. So they're alive, but they're not really alive, if you know what I mean. They didn't say that. That's my yeah. interpretation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They hadn't developed. So they said, what do you want to do? Um, we can put them in, 
but the chance of anything happening is very low, but it's sort of good for your body. Now you've gone through all this to have a bash and um, stimulate, like sort of simulate a pregnancy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we can learn from it. So we did that and that was, that, that didn't end in a pregnancy. Um, so we got kind of past that and actually it was okay. Cause I knew that the odds of a first cycle working were fairly slim. You learn a lot from each cycle, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. So we went, on and did a second cycle and they said um, they were worried that the same thing was going to happen again because it could be related to my diabetes um, how well the embryos divide and develop so it's like okay fine so we went ahead same sort of thing we didn't have anything obviously frozen from that round because they were in the bin Um, and we went ahead with the second cycle and they checked them on day two looking good checked on day three looking good so they said let's not risk it let's put them in on day three um so because one cycle had failed again we got to put two in so we've had two in every time so put two in so when that one didn't work i was a bit sad because actually they kept the other ones um and one of them did develop on day five so we froze it so I thought, well, that the same thing didn't happen. So that's brilliant. You know, one survived plus the two that are in me could be developing. So I think I'm going to be pregnant. So that's great. Um, so um, and we've got this one one in the bank mm-hmm. for later. Brilliant. Um, so that didn't result in a pregnancy. So that was a bit rough. Um, but again, we had all our friends and family supporting us. So that was really helpful. Um, so then we went ahead. Um, at that point, they changed the law so that locally so that you could only get two. But our, um, our clinic honoured the previous um, wow, rules and gave great. us third cycle for nice. free. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't recommend using that frozen when they said crack on with a fresh because they didn't think it was particularly good quality. Um, so we went ahead with our third fresh cycle and um, they did changed it to whatever the agonist or antagonist did the other one. And um, it was a lot more aggressive and it was harder. And then um, they checked them on. Um, we got the same amount again. They checked them on days two, three. And on day three, they were looking grand. So they said, let's push for a day five because they, they do tend to do better. Don't know if they can get them to day five. Yeah, and I said, this time, if everything's all right, we'll meet you up here as planned if there's a problem could you phone me yeah of course. so when that when that phone rang oh, on the home phone honestly we were an absolute state so they rang and they said same things happened again um they said they're, they're all just the same as they were on day three they've not done anything completely frozen in time um so they you know to all intents and purposes they are non-viable they're dead so that was really hard because that was our third and final cycle you know it really hurt so they said, if you won, you can just rest now um, or you can come in and you c- we can defrost your frozen one or you can come in and you can have, um, you know, some of these that aren't working, put back in, simulate a cycle, f- complete that cycle. And then we'll start with your frozen one later. And they said, I wouldn't recommend having the frozen one put in because it's better to have um, some time before having a frozen one put in. So I thought that sounds fair enough. And our embryologist was amazing fantastic woman and um i really appreciated the advice that they gave us so we decided to go in and have these have a couple of these dud ones put in which we did and and they gave us um triple the progesterone support so um uh one one up the bum one up the front yeah uh one in the mouth didn't have an injection no we had oral and then we had two different types of suppositories so that was fun the injection is horrendous brutal yes i've heard it's absolutely horrendous don't go near my bottom by like a 10 by 10 (laughs) yeah 30 is in like that you know when i was doing it he was five he was in that real bum slapping stage oh no horrendous (laughs) one of my friends was going through an aggressive cycle at a different unit at the exact same stage as us on that cycle and she was having intramuscular progesterone injections and it was horrendous so i feel that pain man um so so um so what we so we just took some time out really and um were just completely enveloped by our friends and family so much love you know i got these beautiful cupcakes delivered from my girlfriends it was just wonderful <laughs> i booked a, su- a surprise weekend in london um for rob's birthday and we planned to go and check out some london ivf clinics up there while we were there and then an alarm went off my phone that i had to do this stupid pregnancy test for the clinic and i did it and it was positive 
And I was like, what's going on there? And I phoned them and they said, well, you are on a lot of progesterone. So I'm guessing it's that. And then it was very, very, very faint. So then we were like, oh, goodness, what's going on? So we carried on testing for another day or two and we told everyone. <laughs> we told everyone because <laughs> we were like, I'm never going to be able to tell anyone that I'm pregnant. So I'm just going to do it. So we were dropping it like little oh, truth wow. nuggets when people weren't expecting it because everyone knew it hadn't worked. Um, and, and we were under the impression that it would it was either a chemical reaction or that it would end in some sort of miscarriage because obviously they were not normal embryos. They were pretty much dead. Um, and yeah, now we have a five-year-old. So <gasps> that's really mental. Is story? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember like in that two-week wait, I emailed an IVF uh, embryologist specialist in Australia and said, look, this is it. It was a something, something, 10-cell marula or something on day five. And she said, I'm sorry, you need to stop hoping. It's not going to happen. And and I so I was like completely stopped hoping. I had a beer the night before the alarm went off for the test. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so um, I don't insane. know what happened, but like I said, it takes a village and I do feel a that... A little bit of magic, this, I think. Yeah, something happened there. I don't know what happened. But it was... In, an interesting journey because my blood sugars were still a bit chaotic, but they were they were all right. I was doing my best, but progesterone is not a friend of of glucose. Okay. <laughs> it's not. It is not kind to your glucose levels. So I was off work. Um, we we decided to buy a, a pay for a private ultrasound. Bang on six weeks, which is the very earliest that they could see anything, and they couldn't see what they wanted to see. She said, "No, there's it's, it's not. You know, it's not great. Like oh. if you are six weeks and your dates are definite." This is not a six-week fetus. But, of course, what happened, what we know now, is she just fallen asleep for a couple of days. She was five weeks and five days. <laughs> so if we'd have gone for that scan two days later, two days we'd have later, seen what yeah, we wanted to see. Yeah. So um, it, all's well that ended well there. The pregnancy was, you know, a pregnancy with type 1 diabetes, which if anyone hasn't, you know, has been through that, will understand is not the same as another pregnancy hence why I have a job um specializing in it because it is it is a bit complicated um but we were looked after incredibly well um, by an amazing team and I had it in my head that I would probably deliver it about 30 weeks so every time we got past that point well every every milestone every week was a milestone because mm-hmm. we thought you know first we thought we'd have a miscarriage and then that moment when we um were able to tell all our friends like our other friends about 12 weeks was fantastic and then that night I just hosed out blood in the middle of a hotel room in Northampton I was like oh no (laughs) yeah so we had to drive back at three in the morning um because I I I knew I wanted to come to our hospital because I trusted everyone so much yeah what was that and it was fine what was it? It was, it was just a bleed, like a cyclical bleed at 12 weeks, which I think can be quite common um, around the time you would have had a period each three or four weeks. I think you can have a little bleed. Um, but that carried on. I, I sort of bled on and off um, at that kind of end of the first trimester. And um, they found like a, what looked like a bit of bleeding behind the placenta and stuff. Uh-huh. But it was nothing. It was nothing major. Um, Spoken like then, a true midwife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the time, I was like, "Ah, this is it. This is my punishment for having gone public." Um, but it 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 was fine. Um, and we had in those in those couple of weeks where we had been told it hadn't worked, we'd put to holiday. Oh, sorry, that's my that's dog just Frank, um, Frank wants exercising to his hi, voice. Hi, Frank. <laughs> hi, Frank. Um, we'd put to holiday. So, um, and my doctors wouldn't let me cancel it. So we ended up going to Bali at like 20 weeks pregnant. And uh, that was entertaining. Um, but it, essentially, a, minor, a few minor complications where they thought I had a blood clot on my lungs, which wasn't, wasn't the case. Um, <laughs> I ended up having a healthy baby at 36 weeks and five days. Yeah. Okay. And that was a a planned cesarean? It was. So um, I planned a cesarean really early on, um, which I know for for midwives sounds like a crazy thing to do. Um, But it was a well-informed decision because of... um, So when you have type 1 diabetes, you've got a really... um, 
much more increased chance of having the shoulders get stuck on the way out. Um, and my sister, um, when she, she had uh, her firstborn was a stillbirth and she was a severe shoulder dystocia. So um, I knew that there was that sort of history in the family. And also um, my mum was born very big and was, we think, a really severe shoulder dystocia and had her um, a bone broken um, to deliver her and her only vaginal delivery which is my brother who was born an absolute beefcake um, yeah. he was a shoulder dystocia mm-hmm. um, so the, to me the risk was too much uh, after years of infertility it was too much so I decided yeah, really course, early on to have a section and my consultant completely supported me yeah. in that because it wasn't the choice between a water birth on the midwifery load birthing unit it was a choice between a 36 week induction strapped to the bed uh, on the monitor with an insulin insulin infusion Mm -hmm. or an elective cesarean section Mm -hmm. so we went for that and that was definitely the right decision for us Um, and quite funny really because my husband works in in theatres and recovery so for him a normal birth is a cesarean. <laughs> <So he was laughs> the well idea of someone pushing a baby out, he was like, oh, that sounds a bit complicated. <laughs> I don't know what that sounds like. Um, so yeah, they just basically brought it forward. They kept bringing it forward until they thought the placenta might be failing, mm-hmm. at which point they uh, delivered us. And what's really interesting, one of the many things that I find fascinating about type 1 diabetes is that the glucose levels can actually um, tell you a lot about what's going on. There's mixed evidence about it, but what we think is that when that while you're pregnant, the placenta releases all these hormones um, which um, make your blood glucose levels go up, and you have to keep increasing your medicine, which is your insulin, to match those levels. Um, and then what happens at the end is the placenta sort of starts to relax a little bit, and things can plateau. But what sometimes happens is that your levels really, really, really drop. So what that tells us is that the placenta. It's, it's not working very well at all. Um, and we know that because diabetes affects all of the blood vessels, that the placenta won't be as good as somebody who hasn't got diabetes anyway, which is why people tend to have their babies a bit earlier. But if you have this sudden drop in glucose levels, that can mean that the placenta is like rapidly failing. And the result of that would be a stillbirth. Um, so um, having a family history of stillbirth with my lovely niece, um, from my my sister's firstborn, I, uh, you know, the doctors were very cautious. And as soon as my levels started plummeting, which they did, um, they got the baby out. We had a day's notice, which was really good. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, but it's that's really, really I find interesting. That to be, I didn't know that. That's incredible. Yeah, that's really neat. interesting. Um, there's and th- although there's no risk to the baby of your glucose levels dropping, it's not that. It's the risk is that is that indicating mm-hmm. that the centre is a yeah, problem. Yeah, so, um, but the evidence keeps changing, so we keep changing our mind how we manage that. But um, there's a, I think there's a big difference between a slight drop and a big, big drop, and that is only with um, type one and um, and type two, not with the, the type of diabetes that you get when you're pregnant. Do you I know tell women that? About that. Uh, no, we get we do stay in really close discussion with the with our patients about their glucose levels so that we can monitor that. Okay. But women are very well informed. Um, so women often and we always say, you know, please do let us know if there's a change. Um, but yeah, we have more worries about that from people with gestational diabetes because they it's new to them and they're doing yes. lots of research. Yeah. And actually, that's a group that don't need to worry about that. So yeah, okay. <laughs> that's awesome. That's quite handy. So, so yeah, we that have was Ada. Ada, um, and then yeah. what? Um, so I had in my head that I a little ray of hope that one day we might spontaneously conceive. Um, I know that's naive, but you hear all these people say it, don't they? Oh, my mate Tracy, she was infertile for twenty five years and then got pregnant <laughs> when she was fifty, which is, by the way, really unhelpful advice for someone going through IVF. Don't yeah. say that because um, no one wants to wait twenty five years. Um, just relax. That's the other one. Just relax. yeah. Oh yeah, just, just relax. relax. Yeah, oh, yeah. And as as much as I loved all those holidays I took to try and get pregnant, ultimately <laughs> with dud sperm and rubbish rubbish ovulation, it going to happen um so we sort of didn't ever use contraception again so started trying from about six weeks postnatal and um it just didn't happen obviously um and one of the hardest things is having a frozen embryo I don't know. Yes it's a blessing it's also a, a bit of a curse because you can't move forward very easily Mm. um, in lots of ways 
So for us, um, I always had this little hope that, you know, if we didn't get pregnant in a few years that we could have a bash with that frozen one, which was like that sort of symbolized our second child, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so a few years later, um, so it was actually, I think it was like April, um, not last year, the year before, I think. I think, we, I, think uh, I got it 2019, if I've stalked you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's Thank it. Um, we um, decided to do a frozen cycle. And now one of the most super things I've done is decide to buy my dream house while doing IVF because hormones and estate agents, not a good mix. <laughs> um, so apologies um, to Watsons for my rage <laughs> on many occasions on the phone. Um, so, um, yeah, we, that was a hard, hard few weeks and months, but by this point I had my job as diabetes specialist midwife. So I've been doing that now for three or four years. I'm not sure exactly what, but, um, and that has been the best, one of the best things really to happen, um, to me personally is to have this job as diabetes specialist midwife. It's given me a huge advantage, I suppose, having some knowledge of diabetes, but more than anything, it's really healed my relationship with my diagnosis of diabetes, because now diabetes is a gift for me that I can do my job better. So that's been really helpful. And the unexpected bonus has been um, sharing an office with some of the most amazing women that I've ever known. So this time around, I got to do my IVF with the help of a whole bunch of other diabetes and um, fetal medicine and safe I nearly called them safeguarding midwives. They they won't be impressed by that. Um, with midwives for vulnerable for vulnerable women, um, they just absolutely got got me through it, along with my friends and my family. So um, I carried on working for some of it, most of it, and we did this frozen cycle. And oh, it was awful. Um, and that was just my experience. That is not something that other people will experience. So you know, don't take it to heart. But it was horrendous. It was the worst cycle I've ever done. I just ended up hosing out blood in the middle of a clinic appointment with a patient and nearly passing out. And honestly, it was really, really hard. And then it just, the transfer and everything went okay and it just didn't work. And I couldn't believe it really. I felt like, and this is going to sound awful to someone who's sadly suffered a miscarriage but it felt like I was having a miscarriage in a way Um, and I don't like to compare but I had known that embryo Mm -hmm. for five years that embryo had so much hope held so much hope for you oh my god yeah that was my other child and Mm -hmm. then I was like oh it's just gone down the toilet somewhere I couldn't believe it I was devastated really devastated um and the same day it failed we lost our purchase of a dream house and it was it was dark dark week um but thankfully because we had so many amazing people around us we bounced back from that and that is why and I know a lot of people think I'm obsessed with my house but that's why because it's that was that had to be my new baby we got the house in the end and that was my new baby was it this house was it always this house yeah it was the house the dream house yeah so that was that became my new baby um so uh i just focused all my energy on that really but i think there was really something that hit me hard that time worse than any other time and yet everyone thinks well you've got you've got a kid so why are you complaining mm-hmm. um but i also think <laughs> i know right <laughs> i also think that when you have a child and you just have one child and you haven't made that decision to have just one child. I felt like people were, were thinking, I don't like being a mother. Like, well, you obviously don't like being a mother because you would have had another one. As you not enjoy being a parent, yeah. you not like your child. Like, why aren't you having another one? And I just felt like saying, I am trying so hard to have another one. I really yeah. am. You know, I love my child. Like, you know, um, so that was hard. And we made that decision to not go through IVF again after that because that was too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't have done it again. And um, and then, yeah, a, cu- a couple of years, 18 months went by and I just kept saying, I'm not done. Like, I'm definitely not done. I definitely want another baby. I definitely don't want to have IVF. I'm definitely infertile. I definitely don't want to adopt yet. And everyone would be like, right, <laughs> what are you left with <laughs> Wait, what's going on what are you le- you're not left with any other options Another dog. I don't know I don't know a solution will present itself and then <laughs> I basically just um Covid hit and I worked 
ridiculous hours and um, was under a high, like super amounts of stress. Um, still love my job, but super, super amounts of stress because I was really worried about, uh, you know, a friend that was poorly and and we were trying to burn the candle at both ends of the house. And, sorry, and, and with all... diabetes, you were you were working from home with to COVID? Um, bits and pieces of both. Um, I shielded to begin with. And then my colleague, the other person, there's two of us to do our job. Um, she got very, very unwell and had to um, leave. So, uh, you know, um, take sick leave. So I just um, then went back in to the trust and um, okay. just did my best to avoid getting COVID like everyone else really. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, so there was a lot of change and a lot of stress. Um, and so we were very surprised when we got a positive pregnancy test one month, um, and, and we're blessed with our surprise baby. Um, so yeah. And so what um, happened? how did you, um, is it just that your period didn't come and you thought, hold on a minute, what's going on? Yeah, basically I got a new phone and I forgot to transfer my app over, you know, the one that tells you if you're coming on your period because you're mm-hmm. too stressed and busy to remember <laughs> um and then I thought I better download that because I can't remember the last time I had a period and I looked and it was like oh it should have been two days ago but I hadn't had any breakthrough bleeding so I thought oh that's really weird like that and so um I did a test I didn't tell Rob I had you know as anyone who's been through IVF I had a few old old tests floating about the house <laughs> and um it was positive and we were really really surprised (laughs) super 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 surprised because in rob's words we'd stopped trying um but i don't think you ever stopped trying no really um every every time even though we had stopped we definitely had stopped trying and i was not taking folic acid i'm really sorry to my doctors um i was not doing preconception care again i'm really sorry um i I, every time I came on my period, I was devastated. Um, and that, you know, and yeah, Ada's five. So that's a long, yeah. Yeah. Um, by that point we've been trying for a baby for probably nearly 10 years. Um, so it was weird. Um, there were a lot of surprised people. So both times we got to surprise people when we got pregnant because both times it was a surprise. And then didn't Um, you get COVID? when you were pregnant yeah man it's great yeah so um one of the amazing things was that when you're trying to get pregnant through um with infertility is you daily well I did dream about the moment you tell people what it'll be like will you be having like a Sunday roast together or will it be on someone's birthday and of course the dream is will it be Christmas and of course (laughs) it was so Christmas Eve I was six weeks so I waited this time because we told everyone straight after the test last time I was to say that Christmas Eve is your birthday as well isn't it it is my birthday yeah so I was working obviously (laughs) on Christmas Eve because that was my diabetes clinic which I was then a patient in my own clinic nice clever Yes, it's very confusing, (laughs) slightly confusing dynamic at times because I was, that is the only clinic that I could go to because I have type 1 diabetes and it is my (laughs) clinic um, run by my friends and colleagues. um, So they all knew. Um, But uh, as is common with type 1 diabetes, you have a viability scan really um, between, usually between seven and eight weeks. But um, we had a go because we thought it was about six and a half-ish. Yeah, and that showed that I was six um six and a bit weeks pregnant so we were able to tell our family the next day which was brilliant christmas day and my my dad cried his big ugly covid tears all over me (laughs) is that what happened and then yeah we've not touched each other for months and I had a big big old because uh, Boris said that we could hug each other we gave each other a big hug and he, he a few hours later got a pyrexia and uh, the rest as they say is covid <laughs> um so um oh, no. that was glorious so boxing day onwards we uh, were in isolation because dad's dad tests mum and dad tested positive and then yeah we all got it oh, um did you all have it the whole family um, me and Rob, but Ada never tested positive, but she had the same symptoms. So I don't know, really, um, you know, good luck getting a swab. Yeah. For, then four year old. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it was rough. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Um, but NHS, again, did us proud, treated us amazingly well. And my, I'm really lucky that some of my closest friends happen to be my colleagues 
Um, so uh, one in particular, one of my best friends, he, um, you know, was really looking out for us and we were FaceTiming because our daughters are friends and uh, he's, he was like, you, you really don't, <laughs> you really don't look well because <laughs> you can't actually breathe between like words. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I did end up um, going up the hospital because I thought I might have a pulmonary embolism because I was in so much pain, chest mm-hmm. pain. But um, it was okay. It was fine. I didn't. Um, That's good. But he he did arrange for uh, me to get some blood thinning injections and stuff like that. So I felt so safe, you know. Um, but I, of course, um, had a bleed <laughs> and couldn't go into the hospital because I had COVID. So oh, I was about six, six, that. seven weeks at this oh, point. Oh. And I was thinking, right, this is it. I've got COVID. The baby's obviously dead. And uh, I, I can't have a scan. Uh, it's too early to feel movements. I couldn't have a listen with a sonic aid. Oh, like no. there was no no way to know it's okay. But you know, I was a I was a bit stressed, but nowhere near as much as my parents. They were <laughs> beside themselves because we just told them essentially I mean my dad says I gave him COVID which is definitely a lie dad if you're listening (laughs) um he definitely gave me COVID um Eve I'm not having an opinion by the way (laughs) just your Switzerland um but yeah so that was really hard for them really 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 hard for them uh and uh they were Amazon priming O2 sats machines to the house so that's oh, fun. Sweet. We should also um, probably add in that your mum's a midwife too. And yes, uh, she is a midwife. <laughs> probably the reason that I'm a midwife. And I don't yes. know about you. And maybe you too. She's a good, so. Oh yeah. Sue Sue Ginn is a good egg and an amazing midwife. And she's very inspiring, I have to say. So yeah, she is the reason I'm a midwife, and like you say, probably you as well. And mm-hmm. she's also chief warrior. Um, so <laughs> I, I apologize for that. COVID uh, scare. Um, but we got through it and um yeah, my friend, um, he arranged a scan the day I came out of isolation, which was a Saturday, <laughs> and it was all all That's fine. Just what you and, needed, isn't it? Yeah, friends like that are priceless. Um, so I repaid the favour by making him get the baby out when the time came. <laughs> I said uh, um, that he had to do that because he's is fantastic doctor and really really trustworthy so um we tasked him with delivering this little miracle baby which he did very very efficiently and um it was just the best birth you could ever imagine um, the most amazing birth amazing. Uh, we just had you know surrounded by people that you love and that you feel safe with um two consultants which are amazing I've known for a really long time uh, one of whom is one of my closest friends and also um pretty much the best midwife at our hospital who happens to be my best friend Aww. and um she caught the baby amazing. um baby Blythe and it all went really 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 well yeah That's we've been really lucky incredible um how yeah. old's Blythe now she's um she is three and a half months yeah I mean I don't actually know because she's my second baby and you don't really keep track of stuff like that but if we say three and a half it's somewhere between three and four I know I don't need to wean her yet I can tell you that she's very cute (laughs) that's all you need to know she's gorgeous yes she's gorgeous um but yeah we were pretty lucky really um I managed to get my glucose levels uh really stable because um in between those pregnancies I invested in some continuous glucose monitoring which it it, um, checks your glucose levels for you and sends it to your phone. Um, That's called a Dexcom. So that's something you paid for. Yeah, yeah, not available um, on the NHS yet um, for normal people. Um, So I paid for that and it is quite expensive, um, but um, it was, it paid dividends because I don't know, maybe that was why I got, pregnant maybe I don't know maybe because of years of you know probably three years of really much better blood glucose control Mm -hmm. um with with using the Dexcom because I've always put in lots of effort you know and I can wholeheartedly say it's not my fault when I've had unstable levels Uh because I've tried really really hard yeah most of the time apart from when I go for afternoon tea and then I just hope for the best (laughs) um but um yeah. And I think so, even though I hadn't gone for my preconception care, which I, you know, I do feel bad about, um, I, I was going into a pregnancy with good, good glucose control. Yeah. yeah. So that was really good. Um, and I was part of a clinical trial, um, which, uh, 
is um, called ADAPT, which I was so lucky to be part of. And that was no, there was no kind of uh, favours pulled on that. I had to go through it like everybody else. And we were just very pleased that I got allocated to um, the intervention arm of the study, which was um, where you get a Dexcom free of charge. So brilliant. Um, And you also, um, it is set up with an insulin pump. And what you get given a trial phone and what it does is the phone has a special algorithm on it and it, it receives your glucose levels from your sensor and then it works out how much insulin you need to get in the normal range and it tells your pump to give you that much insulin. Um, you still have to input when you're eating and things. So you still have to have a good education level about carbohydrate content, which someone on an insulin pump has been doing, you know, that whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it results in fantastic glucose levels. And that is what we mean when we talk about an artificial pancreas. It's basically doing the job that your pancreas is doing mm-hmm. every time you eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, I got that from probably about eight weeks onwards. Um, and that's been life changing, really incredible. And I can see the difference in the two pregnancies. Um, we did only get to 36 weeks with Blythe. But again, that was my placenta, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I gave up. Um, my blood glucose levels plummeted. Um, and she did stop moving. Um, but (laughs) I love the way you'll say like, yeah, so the blood glucose failed, stop (laughs) me. I mean, um... once I got to sort of 32 weeks this time around, I thought, my goodness, I'm lucky that I am jammy because I, you know, I do see, um, all sides of, of pregnancy, sharing an office with the fetal medicine department. Um, but, but particularly as a diabetes specialist midwife, I know I've gotten very, very lucky. I have put a lot of effort in, don't get me wrong. Um, but um, having, yeah, two elective cesareans from 36 weeks is, is really good going really for type 1 diabetes. Incredible. Um, and, you know, hard for my colleagues who had to sit on their hands for however long, make sure they didn't deliver me too early because I'd yeah. never forgive them. Um, but yeah, um, so we only had minor, minor issues with both girls that Ada, we had like severe jaundice. So, um, we were in for about seven or eight days and she had, um, some time on NICU. Um, and that, I think jaundice is, you know, thought of as like not really too disruptive, but it was, it was hard. Um, it could have been a lot worse, which is why I say we didn't have severe problems, but, um, she was almost at a point of needing an exchange transfusion, which is, um, quite a severe level of jaundice and it was hard work. And, um, as a midwife, there's a lot of, um, expectation to breastfeed and she was having formula top ups, which I really didn't want, Mm. but it kept her alive and flushed out the jaundice and that, and, uh, we went home with, um, a tube in, into her stomach doing those tube feeds and she was right as rain a few weeks later and with Blythe um we took as many steps as we could to prevent severe jaundice um so I was um expressing milk um in the weeks running up to the birth and Mm -hmm. storing it and so with every feed I would give her the express milk and then I would express again and give that um and we also decided not to leave the cord a while before clamping it. We decided to clamp it pretty much straight away to stop sure. her getting too yeah. many mm-hmm. red blood cells. Mm-hmm. And all of that culminated in her having mild jaundice, which was a huge improvement. Um, so we were readmitted after a couple of days um, back to the hospital. She had the jaundice treatment and then we came home. So Great. I feel very lucky having had just those minor com- complications um, with both girls when you've got a chronic existing condition that feels like you've hit the jackpot when you only have stuff like that going on, doesn't it? Um, and how yeah. is Ada with Blythe? Yeah. I mean, she, she used to ask for a sister all the time and we said, you know, I'm sorry, we've tried. Yeah. <laughs> she said, what if I talk to the doctor? And I mean, Aww. she is persuasive. I'll give her that. <laughs> but I was like, you know, we had paid a few thousand for that frozen transfer, unless you've got a few more uh, in your back pocket. It's not happening. Um, but no, she understood. We've always been really honest with her. Um, it makes explaining the birds and the bees a lot easier because instead of saying, you know, what actually happens, we say, well, the mummy has to go to a doctor and she has to put the baby in there. <laughs> she has to put yeah, the baby yeah. in there. Yep. So she she has that understanding. <laughs> um, but um, when we told her, we told her on, on Christmas Day, the same as everybody else. And she was, yeah, 
really happy yeah. and uh, then when we told her we were having a girl she said yeah I know yeah well I knew if I wished hard enough for a girl I'd get one <laughs> so entitled <laughs> oh, I love her That's uh, but yeah so she's great she is great with her um yeah and uh, and it's been nice now that she's gone back to school after the summer holidays um you know these last few months last month or so of her being back at school it's been a little bit easier because we we uh, delivered like the day before the school holidays oh, tough, <laughs> so yeah. you know but no. we had that time off together which was nice cool yeah. so Nina at the end of the podcast I like to ask three questions the first one being if you were to have coffee with any other woman like dead famous fictional um who would it be and why um so it's not probably not that exciting to other people, but um, it would be my nanny, my mum's mum. Oh, yeah, she she was golden, and <laughs> she was um a lot older. She had my mum when she was um you know quite quite a lot older for for a mum. Um, so she died when I was fairly young. Um, and I don't think I really you know really took the time to spend good quality time with her. Um. But all I remember is that she was amazing. And my mum is amazing. I can say that wholeheartedly. She's amazing. She is selfless and wonderful and inspiring. And she is like a Mother Teresa, but with a really good sense of humor. And I want to know, did she get that from my nanny? You know, Um, I think she probably did. And I think we would have quite a laugh together. So maybe not coffee, maybe cocktails. Yeah, I knew knew you'd correct me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a wild night, just just me and her. I think it would be so much fun. Um, And if not, her obviously Michelle Obama because you know she's a yeah. legend who else <laughs> and having talked about your mum since becoming a mum um have you yeah. found yourself saying anything that um good old Sue says as well well do you know all the all the usual things that your mum says I keep coming out with and then wanting to slap myself <sighs> for like if you just 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 eat one bit of broccoli and then you can have your pudding but what is so ironic is that when I see my mum looking after my children <laughs> Oh no, you don't need to have your broccoli. Here, have a yogurt. Why don't you have some chocolate? In fact, I've given you a 10 course tasting menu of puddings just in case. <laughs> so I don't know what happens. They sort of fry a few brain cells between having their own children, and having grandchildren, but something's gone awry there for sure. <laughs> and considering everything you've been through and your job and, um, and yeah, your whole journey, is there one piece of advice you can share? You just need to get, get, one good person like one really amazing good person and uh and she knows that that she is my good person my friend cat she has like from having a baby and then she had a baby every single challenge i've gone through she's gone through it like holding my hand and delivering gin on the doorstep she has yeah, kept me going. I think you just need one good person that you can be completely honest, that you don't need to tidy the house when they come around, that you can text at two in the morning and that will get you through it because everything is just a phase. Um, and before you know it, that phase is gone and life's good again. But parenting can be hard, but you just need that one one good person. You don't need loads. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my hack is get a cat. <laughs> a, a person called cat. A person not called cat, cat, not an actual cat. Yeah, Another, get don't get anything else living that you need to look after. Just, just a person. Yeah. <laughs> not even houseplants. <laughs> no, God, no. <laughs> and Nina, if anyone wanted to contact you, would that be possible? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how would they go about that? If anyone wanted to ever speak about their experiences about, you know, IVF or IVF during diabetes or diabetes and pregnancy, I love to talk about diabetes, particularly. I don't know if anyone's noticed that over the last hour. I'm not sure. Um, so, um, yeah, it, you can always um, link one of my Instagram accounts to your um, okay. post, so if you like, and they can contact me that way. Cool. Just for the sake of the podcast, can you tell me what it is, love? Come on. Um, like... probably willers underscore house okay. is willers, probably the best one a z is it with a z yeah yeah i know it's a house account but it's because the other one's like a private one yeah no, you cool. don't want to just see loads of pictures of my kids <laughs> <laughs> and because i'm on maternity leave, maternity leave at the moment i don't really do anything other than just go on instagram <laughs> 
There we go. That's what maternity leave's about. <laughs> that Nina, and keeping a child alive. Thank you for sharing everything and for your oh, wealth of knowledge. Um, no, it's been amazing talking to you. Thank you very much. And actually, I didn't know most of that. So it was, um, it was a real honour. Thanks, love. Oh, thank you for inviting me. And sorry, I do talk a lot. No. <laughs> Perfect. It's a podcast. There's nothing to look at. So it's, it's fine. <laughs> Okay, take care. Thank you. See you soon. You too. See you later. Bye. Thank you so, so much to Nina for sharing her story, but also for all the extra information she shared with us on diabetes. Nina is an amazing woman, so please do reach out to her if you have any questions or require some guidance. Also, you need to find her on the gram to give her front door some love and take a moment for her pink bath. Thanks again, Nina. I really loved having you on. Have a great weekend, everyone, and I'll be back next Thursday. Bye.